welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. Every week, we bring you interviews with makers and artists of all kinds from all over the world that identify as female, non-binary, and transgender. Today's guest is A. Hannes. A. was taught at a young age how to work with tools and how to think creatively as well as resourcefully. While they decided to foster their passion for photography and the arts throughout college and into a career, the 2020 pandemic led to a revived passion for woodworking, thus started Slightly Acute. The name Slightly Acute stems from the idea that the goal is not absolute perfection, but to honor and enjoy the process of making and embracing the mistakes. A is now based in Columbia, South Carolina with their partner and furry family. They're providing handy person services to the local community while also continuing their custom woodworking business. And it was my joy and pleasure to get to have A on as a guest, as somebody uh, who I consider a friend and I've been following along with for um, at least through the pandemic. So I feel like I've been following along with them since their journey started as slightly acute. A uh, reminder to please head on over, pause the podcast episode after this, and head on over to podcastawards.com and nominate slash vote for Crafting a Revolution under the categories of People Choice Awards, as well as the category of art. That is greatly appreciated. So again, that is podcastawards.com. All right, before heading into my conversation with A, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. A super big thank you to Matthew from Artigiano Serio, our main podcast sponsor. And thank you to Candice CJ Woodgrain, Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Rachel Moody Makes, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy Studio Obey, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for helping uh, make this podcast happen, keeping it alive and helping to produce podcast episodes every week. All right, let's head on into my conversation with A of Slightly Acute. Um, all right, well, A, I like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. Would you do that for me? Sure. Um, my name's A. Uh, I use they them pronouns. Uh, I identify as a non-binary masculine center person. Um, I'm white. I'm able-bodied. Uh, I think that about covers it. Perfect. Thank you so much for the full description. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, what would you say is your focus like maker wise? Um, yeah, so like maker wise, uh, I would say that um, I'm probably like the most trained in photography and then um, active slash aspiring woodworker. And then I just kind of grew up uh, kind of building and tinkering and making art for most of my life. So um, yeah, quite the busy bee in terms of liking to make stuff or do stuff or fix stuff. Right. Um, and then I'm currently, I run like a handy service, but that's not so much making versus fixing. Mm -hmm, mm 
Um, what part, like, I think, are you like East Coast area of the country? Uh, yeah, right now I'm in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, but I'm okay. a pretty, I'm a northerner and through. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so I want to maybe step back and just ask like the broader story of A, like kind of where'd you grow up? Like how'd you get into like fixing and making and all that stuff? Yeah. Um, so originally I was born in Pittsburgh and grew up in a suburb of Pittsburgh. Um, and I would say it all started really, really young. Um, I have two half siblings and they were, uh, one was more into dance, the other was in theater. And then it was just so happened that I then kind of picked up the visual arts side. So we were a bit of a trifecta there. And my, my dad, which uh, they had different dads, but my dad was, uh, grew up on an Iowa farm, little Iowa family. Um, and so I just kind of always grew up. I don't think I really remember a time that there wasn't building and making involved. I remember him just kind of presenting me with like a plain sheet of paper when we moved and just being like, what do you want your playset to be? And we would draw it out and we would work on it and talk about what I'd want and then make it a reality within reason. I don't, you know, I'm sure I asked for something absurd, like asking it to go to space or something, but you know, I, so you know, whatever was appropriate for the age I was in, I was always assisting in some way. Um, and, you know, being taught, I think, quote, the proper way to do it was like really important to him. But I think that like all stems from, you know, being a small farm, you know, especially as kind of the farming industry change, you know, you just kind of have to fix and do everything yourself. You're not taking it places. and. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where it all started. And eventually I think he started like a contracting business on his own and I just kept kind of tinkering. Like if there was scrap wood and a hammer and nails, I'd be doing something, whether it was smart or not. And <laughs> I remember having a friend who had a tree house and we would like take apart the inside and rebuild it and take it apart and rebuild it again. I was the safest. <laughs> it's kind of wild to think about like how I grew up versus how let's say my niece and nephew or like the newer generation is. There's much more um, uh, kind of awareness. So at some point I like got a nail on my foot and we had to go get a tetanus shot and stuff like that. So um, yeah. And then um, kind of my dad became less of a picture in my life. And I think as that kind of happened and the access to tools and stuff faded away, I moved towards arts and crafts. So I had a pretty uh, awesome arts and crafts table and I would get, you know, like, I don't know, in the early thousands, late nineties, those like um, kind of kids crafting kits were really big. So I get a bunch of those, but I wouldn't follow their directions. I would mix and match and kind of make my own thing. And so, yeah, I think just come from there on out, I just didn't stop making or doing it was definitely an outlet of sorts. And then um, I eventually, my mom moved us to uh, Massachusetts, to Cape Cod, and I went to school there. I like to clarify, I went to public school there. I didn't leave some like hoity-toity life. <laughs> um, and I just so happened to go to a school that had an incredible 
arts program. Um, it was actually really cool. It was like parents of the arts. So it was basically PTA, but only for arts. So we had um, just incredible access to things, including a dark room, um, which is where I got to get into photography for the first time, especially film photography. Um, and so that's kind of how, you know, my making shifted from like drawing and making little things to really getting into photography and the dark room, especially. So by senior year, I, I finagled our principal and I basically half my classes my senior year were in the art room. <laughs> and if I could get them lined up just perfectly some weeks, um, you know, I'd be spending four hours and I could convince my art teachers to let me be in the dark room that whole time. So um, yeah, that kind of just took my passion there and just got really into it and went to college for photography and some education and nonprofit work there. And so, um, yeah, I did that for quite a long time, actually, uh, still really into it, but, uh, for anybody who is in the nonprofit currently or has been, it's just like a pretty brutal place to exist. Um, so, you know, I worked in Seattle for a nonprofit and that kind of was not in any kind of creative <laughs> fashion at all. Um, and then eventually I kind of got uh, what I thought was like the uh, job of my dreams, which was a program director for a photography nonprofit. Um, and that's just kind of when the pandemic hit and mm -hmm. it was just really, really hard. Like how do you provide such a hands-on physical experience um, through just a computer and also being in like Vermont, there's a lot of rural communities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was my first time being in a place where, you know, like internet access wasn't actually a thing that was assumed. Um, mm -hmm. Actually not having internet or not having good internet was the base assumption. So um, yeah, so the pandemic was pretty rough and suddenly I was at my mom's house and she hated the look of this one corner of her house and wanted me to build her a raised bed and said okay and realizing I have no tools I went and like got emotional purchased a miter saw and my partner and I built this raised bed and uh, suddenly I blinked and slightly acute was there and I had like a weird little cabin in the woods of Vermont and just didn't stop. So that's kind of how I got to this point in my life um, where I was just, just so burnt out from the nonprofit world, from COVID, um, some personal stuff, like just like a lot of loss and grief and processing. Um, so to feel like very in control and doing things physically with my hands after, I guess, not being able to do something that demand like photography demanded a physical um, set of skills that I just was not able to get to the students in the way I wanted. And I think that took like a pretty big um, chunk of my energy and burnout. So yeah, and kind of always when I was short for cash, a big way I could make quick money was just doing interior paint jobs mm -hmm. for anybody I could find. And that is exactly what happened in Vermont as well. And um, yeah, so I just kind of made the leap. And uh, then we moved to South Carolina. Just, yeah, here I am talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. You know, uh, I, I know I followed you since you 
became, since you were like slightly acute. Um, and we've had like conversations in DM, but I still always forget about your Iowa connection. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it's deep. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, also like forget about the photography thing, man, I should have totally should have reached out. Fourth uh, of July, I decided to like I purchased off of one of my close maker friends that I made, you know, through Instagram. Mm -hmm. I purchased one of their their DSLR, their like old one, because um, mm -hmm. like that was the only way I was going to be able to afford it. So that's I purchased it, and um, I've been playing with it. I mainly purchased it so I could like up my game in the YouTube video world. <clears throat> But I was like, 4th of July, it was like super muggy and hot here. And I need to take my mind off that. So I grabbed it and was messing around with trying to get the, um, like the long exposure time. So I yeah. could get the cool pictures with the kids yeah. and the sparklers. And I got some decent ones, but I definitely have some work to do. That is for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Talk to me. I mean, it's always like, it's just such a passion of mine and I mean, I kind of like applied this mindset to, I guess, everything I do, including my business. But, you know, I, I don't think like our skills or our knowledge um, are something to like gatekeep. I think right. like to have the blessing to have these skills and like even just down to like the fact that I'm white, the fact that I grew up middle class, the fact that like I don't necessarily have income insecurity the way others do like that all mm -hmm. puts me in a position where I should just be sharing like there's literally no reason not to and so I feel very much that way about like photography and woodworking you know mm -hmm. like of course at some point you do need to value your skill set but like if it's friends or like if if five minutes of me sharing my time can literally change somebody's ability to do something like mm -hmm. yeah so I just I always try to remind folks that like I am a photographer. I my Instagram doesn't always show it because I've gotten pretty lazy about taking photos these days. But you know, I can talk composition. I can walk you through a digital camera. I can walk you through a film camera. You know, like mm -hmm. that is literally what I went into debt for by <laughs> going to college. You know, so yeah, you know, like even I had a client reach out about like a low water pressure sink and like, sure, I could go charge them my two hour minimum rate, or I could just tell them, hey, you know, if you just unscrew the the faucet, like argurator, I can never pronounce that word, but like the little uh, mesh thing and soak yeah. in some vinegar, like you're good to go. Like, you know, just mm -hmm. like, I think there's, um, that's kind of like the moral code, I suppose I live by. But anyways, yeah. Yeah. If anybody is listening to this and they need help finding a camera within their budget, wondering if a purchase is worth the investment. I love having opinions. I'm a Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> um, just hit me up. That's slightly acute. All right. Well, then that's another thing we, you know, we can have in common. I'm a Virgo too. Are you a September Virgo? I'm an August Virgo. Actually, I yeah. August 23rd. So okay. I like okay. had the Virgo brigade. <laughs> yeah. And I'm at, I'm at the tail end, September yeah. 19th. So well, I can yeah. tell even just like how neatly organized the stuff behind you is like, yeah. Well, I don't know about that. You can't see the desk immediately in front of me, which is not organized uh, <laughs> at all. Oh, that, but. but that's another Virgo <laughs> thing, like presentation, you know, like the, the, everybody has to perceive that you've got it together. Exactly. 
and I'm winning on that front to those. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm like, maybe I should really show people just how messy getting all of this stuff done is. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a rite of passage. Yeah. This <laughs> yeah. Um, and now I believe, are you in like your, like what was your father-in-law's shop space? I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's still a little interesting to kind of process it all, but yeah, yeah essentially my father-in-law um, had passed right when we moved and it's just kind of been like this whirlwind of um, uh, like the word that comes to mind is like happenstance. Like it just so mm -hmm. happens that he had this kind of magnificently special old uh, car garage, like, um, like a mechanic shop right, that he put right. his luthier business into and it just like so happened that there were two bays and one was going unused so um yeah i feel very 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 lucky um be it also very you know sad like i would trade yeah. that space for my partner to have her dad back any day but right um, right absolutely yeah so yeah um, i'm i'm in that shop um most days the last two weeks i was at a client's house and I missed it dearly since today. <laughs> finally got back in. So um well I am I'm sorry for your loss and your partner's loss. Um for sure. And at the same time, I am happy for you to have a space that you can call your own because I know that at least for me that's been something that maybe I didn't realize I needed until I had. Yeah. Um mm -hmm. until I had I I've really learn to value it as like, I continue like on a daily basis to create a safe space for myself. Um, yeah. In that space. Um, and that like just means a ton. Mm -hmm. uh, and it also means a ton then like when I extend an invitation for somebody else to join me in that space, like it's, um, to me, it's almost like giving that person like a hug because it's like, oh, you're, yeah. you're coming into my, per like, this is my space. This is representation of me. Um, yeah. You know, that's, yeah, that's, I feel like right now the the process for me is really inverted because mm -hmm. um, I didn't necessarily have like the biggest opportunity to get to know um, his name was Jeff. So, uh, you know, I think like there's this process of it's been a really slow process getting in there and um you know the the shop still needs like a lot of work both mm -hmm. for my space and for his business that my partner's now taken on um but it's been kind of this interestingly beautiful experience of understanding this man that i didn't know very well through mm -hmm being able to like, I'm physically touching his stuff, you know, right. we're not, you know, uh, my shop or like the tools I've had access to like triple because of this man. <laughs> and so in some way it's almost like, you know, I don't know, hug might not, we might not be at the hugging, Jeff and I might not be <laughs> hugging yet, but you know, in some sense, like he's, he's gifted me and my partner Bex and like he's he's gifted this space and this legacy that he's been building and mm -hmm. um to to be able to share that space and you know understand him through and I think it's 
okay for me to say this, but through his messes, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, I remember the first few times I was like, why does he have like 75 saws? And I'm not even <laughs> joking when I say 75 saws, you know, or like literally the biggest joke was he has, like, you could go through the decades of, um, different types of jigsaws he had. It's just like, why, 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 why? Um, <laughs> And then just like understanding, like, that's just the charm of Jeff. Like, that's just who this man is. And so like this learning process through that and kind of understanding, like, how do I make something of my own and honor what was and um, what will be? And I think that it's been an important journey for me, especially to slow down. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. like COVID for all of us has been a journey to slow down, but um, I think this this sign really smacked me in the face. Yeah. But yeah, so I am, I am excited. I can just see so many more good things to come, but yeah, uh, patience, you know, (laughs) exactly. I've, I've had the honor of being in those spaces three times. Um, Once was the first time was um, when my wife and I lived in California, we had a neighbor whose husband had passed years before And um, he had built a fully functioning shop in their backyard, which in California, I mean, space, space. (laughs) I mean, space is at a premium, you know, so he built this full shop and like, it was still, it was like left as if he just left for the day, like Mm -hmm. it was still, you know, um, she never went into that space and and I started, that's where I really started my serious woodworking journey is when we lived there. So eventually, you know, she offered up, she's like, you know, do you want to buy some of my husband's tools um, mm-hmm. at a, you know, a price that would be way more reasonable than in a store type thing and, right. <clears throat> and really help her out. Uh, Cause some of it was just about like, just to go through it and be able to tell her, like, if it's something I don't need or don't want, like, yeah this is what you can expect to get for something like this, that kind of thing. Um, but it was interesting. Yeah. To like go through all of those things. I mean, I, I really had never met this person um, and to learn about him through that. Uh, and probably the one that's more personal is, is similar. My father-in-law had passed um, and his shop is still there and it's, you know, it's kind of over a years of time kind of working mm-hmm. through it <clears throat> to where my mo- mother-in-law will feel comfortable of, okay, I'm ready to like give you this or to give you this or, you right. know, from that space. Um, and just learning like with him, I'm like, why do you have so many Stanley planes that are all rusted and can never, like, <laughs> we can't even use that, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, but I, I have that box now in my shop. Like, I'm not just going to throw it away. Um, eventually I will get to it but um, right you know one of those things of like no that was Rollins and and what can we do with that um and then the last one is like actually a space I'm going to be teaching out of in September and this space the 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 man who owned all of these buildings didn't pass away but he sold it to the uh, local county conservation uh, board. Oh, cool. And he, again, it was just like, he just walked out of the shop and it was just left that way. And so as part of getting ready for the class, like we've had to be in that space and like 
clean it and get it prepared and make sure all the tools are sharpened and all of that stuff. And I, I keep saying to the other people who are kind of helping with the class, like, I just, like, he's still alive. I need to ask him these questions. <laughs> yeah. Why you should like, ask him, ask <laughs> yes. him for sure. Cause I bet you're going to have such like, that's the thing too. Is like, sometimes there's just like a, just such a logical yeah, answer yeah. to it. Yeah. <laughs> Like he has all of these grinding wheels that are on like bike gears with a handle that you just spin. And I'm like, okay, I can tell like these were probably used for sharpening, but who wants to hand crank while they're sharpening? Because you need both hands to shape a chisel. Like I just, (laughs) you know, those type of things where it's like, I just don't understand it. Like I don't get it. Um, And so, yeah, it would be amazing um, hopefully someday I'll get to talk to him and just be like, you have to tell me everything. Um, the yeah, whole pro- you should yeah. <laughs> for sure. I mean, just from like, I mean, luckily like for the Luthery business, um, Jeff's partner, Zach, he's still around and, and, and working with my partner Bex, but you know, mm-hmm. like I do sometimes have those questions like what the hell? <laughs> and then, and then Zach comes in and is like, oh, yeah, well, this is for like this, this and this, you know, and it's like so oddly specific and so oddly mm-hmm. genius. And I mean, Luther is such a finite like, yeah. thing. And 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 so suddenly what seems so stupid is like, oh, my God, this man was a genius. <laughs> like he just kind of like rigged this thing. Right. There was no tool that did this one thing that mm-hmm. he needed on the face of the planet. And now this one tool that nobody else has <laughs> is in the shop and like how cool is that yeah Um, but yeah no I it's such a weird experience but I think like that's I think as I get more and more into like woodworking and shop stuff I'm connecting how common how many similarities are that between like especially film photography you know you have these Mm -hmm. um either through working at the job I had or through just people knowing I'm a photographer you know I I come across a good number of um I think I lost you a sorry I said I think I lost you (laughs) yeah that's what I think can you hear me now I can yeah oh great (laughs) you can edit that out (laughs) But yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think, um, you know, similar to photography, I I receive the um, nonprofit I worked for, you know, you receive like these, um, don't get me wrong, sometimes you receive absolute junk, and that's the same for <laughs> shop tools, too. But mm-hmm. sometimes you, you come across these people who have just, their loved ones have just taken such good care of the things they were passionate about. And the only way that somebody can let go of it is knowing that it's going to another person Mm -hmm. of equal passion. And I think that's like very common in in photography too, is that, you know, you don't have use for this camera, but so much of who you are is because of this camera that to even think about parting or Mm -hmm. to let go of something that was somebody you loved, you need to know it's going, you know? So like, Mm -hmm. Um, the bandsaw that I have was given to me from an Instagram friend actually. Um, but her neighbor had known that she was a builder and her husband had just passed and this bandsaw needed to be moved. And so, um, yeah, it's just like, I think 
it's just sometimes like a really beautiful process of, of handing off tools. And I try to do that as much as I can too. And it just feels better. Like, I don't want to like just sell something to a stranger. Yeah, I will. I do that often too. Um, As I just, I was going to say, it does make me wonder and think like, what the people will think who inherit our shops yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know like i wonder what story my shop space is going to tell about me but um yeah yeah but also like yeah i definitely like i have a local uh woodworking group here for that's specifically for um you know, people who identify as female, non-binary, or transgender, and I have been bringing, like, they, they laugh now, because they're like, every time you come, you bring stuff to, like, who <laughs> wants this? I'm like, well, it's not doing me any good, and, yeah. like, because it's not being used, um, and I'd rather see it, like, especially for people, like, the all the people who have been coming are kind of, like, newbies to the craft, and so it's like, I want to encourage that. Like, I want to encourage your enthusiasm for learning all these things. So, yeah. And that's take. so cool. You guys have that group. <laughs> I've been looking and it's just, um, just call it a very subset of people who, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, some of them are nice, but like a lot of just old, old white men yep. who are like extreme hobbyists. Yeah, you know, and that just can be like a, du- a difficult space to share sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mostly because they don't want to share. <laughs> right. I was gonna say, well, I mean, to be to be quite honest, the only reason we have that. The reason we have that group is because I started it. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I should have I, I asked. It seems like <laughs> something you would do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I posted it on a few like local uh, Facebook groups and was just like hey I'm looking to start this is there any interest and now I'm up to like 35 people who at least get the monthly newsletter we don't get that many people who like attend you know every our monthly meetings but um it kind of ebbs and flows but it's still like at least that many people are to me still somewhat participating and it's none of them are old white men because that's (laughs) basically the way I I created it I was like uh that is not allowed so and yeah and my local we we do have like a maker space um even though they've been around for a while they're still very much like in the growing stages um but they were super kind like we partnered with them and each person just brings five bucks and we get access to the shop and all the tools in it so um i wanted to keep it like affordable and something that most people could participate in. Yeah, that's so great. Yeah, well, I guess maybe I should just get together <laughs> and do that here too. But I noticed the theme. I mean, your podcast is the same concept, yeah. right? Well, yeah. shit, nobody. Just a lot of white men talking. Let's get some other right. people talking too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Basically, it all boils yeah. down to when I can't find it, I, de- I take a big sigh and go, fine, I will fucking yeah. create it. <laughs> I just yeah. yeah yeah but like we need those people I think like I just like look into my life you know and it 
it's so cheesy to say, but it really just like takes one person that you trust that can like really kind of help you Mm -hmm. reorient yourself to an experience that is uh, like super positive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And occasionally, you know, I'll give it to white men. Occasionally it's a good person, you know, (laughs) Um, but it is, but they also, I, 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 I don't like to do a they and us, uh, I, I will say like like at least locally for me like I know of several um, they they're usually called like woodworking guilds type thing um, like they have co-working spaces you know yeah um, and they're all men um, I know of one female who is at one of them um, and I mm, I will say she's a few generations older than us. And I think she's of the mindset of like, well, I just, I just take it. If that makes Mm -hmm. any sense. Like, no, yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind mm of, um, my mom's a pretty liberal person and Mm -hmm. just like, just continues to become more of a badass in her age. But, (laughs) you know, I definitely can sense like, um, like when Roe v. Wade, just got overturned you know like we were kind of chatting and she was saying like well I can't have an opinion she owns a clothing store so she's like I can't have an opinion in my business Mm -hmm. which is just so dramatically different (laughs) for me because I was like my business is nothing but opinion (laughs) like you're gonna know where I stand but it's 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 definitely like I can tell that mindset throughout different generations um you know it's hers is like well for business you know you have to you have to be neutral. You have to be Switzerland, she says. Mm-hmm. Um, and and me over here is like, I don't want a single bigot in my email box. <laughs> right. Um, but is, I guess like yeah. I stick out like a sore thumb. You know? <laughs> like if a bigot has come far enough to message me, like, <laughs> right? They're gonna have a very rude awakening when mm-hmm. I show up at their house. Mm-hmm. You know? So um, yeah, I uh, yeah I would I mean I will say when I first started Freeman Furnishings. I was like, you know, number one, can't have an opinion. Number two, I better not show that like I'm queer owned. Um, number three, like I barely show that I'm female owned. Like all those things, cause I expected that's how to be successful. Well, that might be successful in like getting people to ask you things. But then the second that they learn that I'm female and queer, like, mm-hmm that business goes away or we have an uncomfortable interaction. So I'd rather ward that off. And now I've gone the opposite extreme. I mean, I have, I have always wondered like when I do the, okay, reintroduction posts on Instagram, right? Like this is who I am. This is what I stand for, blah, blah, blah. Like I always lose like hundreds of followers and it always boggles my mind because I'm like, there's like rainbow shit all over my bio. Like (laughs) I am very clearly like, I am very upfront about all of this. Um, And so it's like, it just boggles my mind. I'm like, you knew it when you followed me. (laughs) Right. You know, not that obviously it's not just about numbers, but it's, it's still just one of those things. Like, even when you are super upfront, you still manage to have people like follow and not understand apparently. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think too, like, you know, we all, we all want to say it's not about numbers, but when you're a small business, like 
it is to some extent, you know, yeah. like at, at some point I love doing handiwork, but at some point I want to be able to fulfill more kind of woodworking, mm-hmm. uh, specialty craft, but I can't do that. Just, you know, like you kind of needs to build a community somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and these days it, a lot of it's online, especially as we kind of come out and move mm-hmm. through the pandemic. And um, so, you know, it, it is hard. Like if you are at a thousand followers and then 10 unfollow you, like that's, that's a big deal because like, you know, once I, I don't know, I feel like once somebody hits like 8,000 followers or maybe mm-hmm. 10, like, I feel like then it just starts going crazy, you know, like you just have to have one reel and then you just like take off. Like I've, people I followed right when I opened Slightly Acute online, mm-hmm. you know, I followed when they had like 6,000 and now they right. have like 25K or something right. like that. <laughs> and <laughs> like, and they're just like, and, and absolutely no shade to them. Like, I'm so yeah. happy for them, but like, they're just like having fun and like, you know, getting brand offers and this mm-hmm. or that. And I'm just like, for me to have 20,000 followers, like, I just think about how much more opportunity I could have. Cause like, I could just post on my story, like, Hey, my commissions are open or, Hey, I have these three exclusive I don't know, the jewelry holders I mean, right, really popular. Right. Like I have three exclusive jewelry holders, first come, first serve. Like like 20,000 actually really means something at some point. And so it, it is it is hard to um, like balance like morals and ethics and mm-hmm. mental health with the grind and hustle that, you know, Instagram or social yeah. media has really become. It's, yeah. I will say- Yeah, I will say, like, I mean, I definitely have the same feelings as you, right? Like, I've been grinding on social media for almost, it's going on six years. And it's been such a slow growth. Um, And sometimes it drives me insane. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, (laughs) I'm doing all the same things. Like, why is this not happening? Um, that, That thought usually only lasts about a second. But I feel that I have had similar thoughts of like, but if I had that, then same, right? Like if I post, okay, I'm accepting commissions or this is like for sale now, like it would go easily, except for it's funny that you just said like that 8,000 and a reel going crazy. Cause I'm like (laughs) at 8,500 and I, since 4th of July weekend, I have a reel that's now it's probably over 2 million as we're sitting here. Holy smokes. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Oh. <laughs> um, but it's going crazy and I'm getting a ton of new followers, but I can already tell because like I'm uh, just because I'm so used to usually like when I get a new follower, I like message them and say thank you and like scope out their their page to see if there's mm-hmm. work, like if I want to follow them, that kind of stuff. So I've been still doing that with all of these followers coming oh, in wow. and like none of the, I can already tell, like none of them aren't, almost none of them are going to actually interact with like engage. So, and I've been, I've had other people talk to me about that. Like, especially when the growth comes fast, um, that, yeah, I might've gained, you know, 20,000 followers, but none of them are really engaged. So I don't know if you really get that leg up when you are at 20 K now and you post something and actually get some, something back from it. Like, I think maybe it does help with brands. I will say it probably helps Mm -hmm. with brands. Um, 
and get some more recognition there. But I think there's something to be said that if you could grow to 20K, like super slow and steady and have engaged, true engagement from all of them, like that would speak a lot more than when you get this for whatever reason the universe has deemed your real to be viral you know (laughs) I don't know um it's an interesting world a world I never thought in a million years I would ever know anything about or have to talk about on a fairly daily basis ever (laughs) yeah well I feel like like my version of I walked you know two miles in the snow when I was a kid yeah yeah chisel and stone like my version of that is I remember when the iPhone first came out or it was like the when the iPhone went from less oval shape to more square shape yeah Um, (laughs) uh, but I remember just being so excited and you know being a photographer and looking at all the different kind of photography apps like Instagram popped up and it was so small and so minute like it was truly just for like nerdy photographers to post their photos and so like it's been like a very like from that perspective as a photographer as somebody who was on the app like way 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 before like I remember being in high school being like oh have you guys heard of Instagram like I get to take my photos and put them somewhere that's like not Flickr man right um (laughs) like and so now it's it's um I mean, I'm feeling this in a lot of ways. Like I'm watching movies and TV shows where like flip phones are a thing. And I'm just yeah. like feeling like, oh man, those were the good days. But yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to kind of grapple with like what Instagram has become because mm-hmm. it's not, I don't know, like even just like over the last year or two, it feels way less about community, way less yeah. about sharing and just more like this game to the top. And I think like, it's really disappointing. And I feel like when people do get, you know, more followers, like it's, it's really hard. I feel like a lot of people I watch just kind of, they just keep it for themselves, you know, like, and I can't really say what I would or would not do if that came along, but I feel like I don't know, like if, if a tool company is offering me a tool, like, I feel like I would want to do something where I say, okay, well, if I get one, then I get to give away, like I get to give one to somebody who really needs it, you know, or um, I don't know, like I, I just, there's no right or wrong way to do social media necessarily. And I think that we're all just so lost in it, that it, it gets so overwhelming, especially when you start to have to make a name for yourself. Right. And it starts to feel like it's connected to your livelihood. It's, it's, uh, It's like really overwhelming and I just missed like those days where it was just like me and like 10 (laughs) creepy white dudes posting our photos like just like you know like I had no clue what I was doing back then it was like weird just weird ass photos and it was nothing and nobody would see them and I would get two likes and that would mean absolutely nothing to me yeah absolutely nothing and I would move on with my day I wouldn't pick up again like nothing (laughs) right um yeah, I miss I think, those days. <laughs> I mean, I and this is this is advice that I've like I continue to give and I continue to like hold myself accountable for, which is especially so if a brand reaches out to me and asks me to do something, um I will ask them, 
or you know i'll say like yeah i'm i'm open to doing a collaboration uh what creators of color do you have on this campaign oh yeah and what mm -hmm. like creator like are there any other creators from the lgbtq community mm -hmm. as part of this <clears throat> and you know if they are saying like there's none then i'll usually be like well i will pass and in my place i give you the name of these creators right that i think yeah. you should reach out to that's um, that's awesome um and i really want to keep that going you know especially as it grows um and i get more of those now if i'm if i'm doing the reaching out then i've already done my research on those mm -hmm. brands right. and like have gone through their page and i know that they're like they're working with BIPOC creators. They're um, working with queer creators. Like I'm, I've, I'm not going to reach out to somebody that I don't think is like uh, matches my morals, basically. Right. Um, yeah. You know. So yeah. that's, and I've given that advice to like big, like white influencers, right? Like, <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. this is what you need to do. Like you say you want to do better. Put your money where your mouth is. Be willing oh my, to say yeah. no to that deal if they're not bringing right. in other people. Like yeah, because then like, what's the actual value of it? Yeah, yeah. So when do you? Because you mentioned like that you um, when you first started your page, you didn't want to share anything about yourself. Like, was there like a moment in time where you're kind of just like, "Fuck this!" Like, I just am done, and I'm just gonna like stick to who I am. Well, it basically, it was basically my wife, like, cause I had shared like about my kids a couple of times, <clears throat> but I played the pronoun game with about my spouse. Uh -huh. um, and so it was actually her coming to me and being like, you know, this actually really hurts my feelings because it mm. feels like I don't exist and I'm not part of this business, which I am in a supporting role, you know? Um, right. And that's all it took. Like, I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> yeah. that's, really, that's really shitty of me. I'm sorry. Like, uh, yeah, you know, and so then I was out and I remember being really nervous because I did I, like I made a whole post about it, you know, like this is me. This is mm -hmm. all of me type thing. And I was super nervous um, that I was going to get like everyone's worst nightmare troll uh, to come right. in. And I didn't. I got nothing but support. Um, I'm sure I did lose a few followers, I'm sure. But, um, you know, at least in the comments and people reaching out, it was all very supportive. Um, and so I basically haven't looked back. In fact, I've, especially over the last six months, I've really doubled down. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I'm like, no, I'm going to be allowed about all the things. Like, all right. <laughs> You know, like you might yeah. be watching a video about woodworking, but I'm probably talking about something protesty or it's a protest song or it's written up in my caption. Like, I'm right. You know, I, I can't stay quiet anymore, basically. So that's and there's no to me, there's really no reason to get high numbers on social media unless you're going to use them to do some freaking good. Like, just, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely and by good i don't mean making my bank account bigger because like you i do understand i have a lot of privilege and so um I, I need to put risk to that privilege 
just like everybody who's been marginalized has done their whole life. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, I absolutely hear you. Yeah. I, I started, like I start, I came out the gate yelling. So <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> yeah, I have, I, in fact, I actually had to start woodworking because I broke so many soap boxes from stopping my feet. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, yeah, I could go on for days. It's yeah. just, um, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just, I mean, it's, I can, I don't think I can ever, you know, fully put it to words, like in a story or a post. It's, it's just so frustrating because I can feel it's so interconnected and that's like with mm -hmm. my identity and there are so many people deeply marginalized beyond me right. and like for me it is all connected right like it is like if somebody couldn't get an abortion like that could have been like the best woodworker in the world but mm -hmm. they have to be stuck raising a child because some mm -hmm. um, freaking dude said so you know or like I'm gonna talk about class because it like I like if I watch like another dude who just decided that he was gonna pick up woodworking and the first thing he buys is a saw stop like I'm gonna right. lose my shit you know <laughs> and like it it is all interconnected to the success of other people yeah that, like it just doesn't you can't you can't like pretend they don't exist, mm -hmm. right? Like you can't ignore the politics of it because the politics don't want me or the people I love and care about to survive. Correct. And so, and I think I told you this um, when we were DMing once, but like, I like one of the biggest kind of pivotal clarity moments for me was like my nephew was getting so mad about like why our family always fights about politics like over and over and over mm -hmm. again and um uh I guess because I'm on this podcast that should be vague but one of my family members <laughs> is like most likely known to be a Trump supporter which therefore is a Pence supporter which is therefore all these people who have like lift Trump up and I go to my nephew I say look like the reason like I can't be quiet is because the person I'm sitting across from at this dinner table today voted for somebody who legitimately wouldn't mind if I was dead. Mm -hmm. And like that hurts. Like that is so gut-wrenching to say that I care about my money and my taxes and my guns or, you know, so much more beyond the value right. of the human sitting at this table with me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just like, so heart-wrenching I think every day and I think for like a lot of people that I know to to watch these people that like you admired in these fields that we're trying to succeed in just like not say a thing yeah because it's you just can't separate it like if you if you want to watch like the field of woodworking grow or if you want to watch the ability of creatives expand you need to make space for new and different minds yes and by new and different minds i'm saying like not white not straight not cis not rich yep. minds yep like what does it mean for somebody who's come from a completely different background have access to an incredible woodworking shop and like mm -hmm. what will their minds decide need to be made you mm -hmm. know and that's just the same for politics when we put new and different minds in positions of power what did those folks decide need to happen mm -hmm. in this country? And so it's just like, 
here I go on my soapbox. I can feel it cracking again. I'm just like (laughs) going off. No, no, it's, it's good. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a hundred percent everything that I for sure believe in. Um, I maybe like, I believe it in woodworking, but I also, I really believe it in like just design and Mm -hmm. art. Like we have centuries actually we have thousands of years of time to make up for what we continue to appropriate from those that don't look like us Uh um and all of the works that they create are amazing (laughs) they need to be need to be credited and 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 not just credited but just like lifted up for what they've done and what they've attributed to all of this. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. White people know. were not crafters mostly. Like <laughs> we literally survived off the labor of like people of color and indigenous yep. folks and black folks. You know, like it's like yep. they were the laborers, they were the creators, <laughs> and we just like you know. No, mm-hmm. I completely, I completely, completely agree with you. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where like the frustration and why social media is so mm-hmm. hard for me. It's like, I just want to shake everybody else. <laughs> Why can't you see this? <laughs> you know, uh, but then of yeah. course, if you come on too strong, they're like, fuck you, I'm unfollowing you. <laughs> right. But, but also like, like I had, you know, a recent interaction where I was with one of my good friends and then who happens to be a, a person of color and, another and and also a creator and another creator who happens to be like a cishet white female and the cishet white female was having conversation of like I really just want to be able to scroll through my feed and just see like making and woodworking like I don't like it when people share about stuff right Mm. (laughs) about all this other (laughs) stuff and this was going to be probably one of my first opportunities to like step up and like say mm-hmm. something in that space. And, and, and I, I apologize to my friend cause I didn't, you know, my mm-hmm. friend kind of stepped in and, and said, basically I'm going to paraphrase, but basically check your privilege. Like, <laughs> like you get to say you want to see that because you're not being affected by like all the things going on in this world mm-hmm. because you're privileged um which is what I really wanted to say um and so it is one of those moments where I I actually I think about that interaction on a daily basis and it's what pushes me to try to get louder because Mm -hmm. I desperately feel like no I'm tired of mm -mm. people of color have had to say this for too long and I need to grow my ovaries big enough (laughs) to um, to take on to take that on to be you know yeah um to be the person who steps in and says that so that's really where I've been like since that interaction I've been trying to do that um more and more and I think about it every time I post though because I'm like I know there's people out there who are looking at my stuff and going why can't she just fucking get back to power curving (laughs) 
You know, I think about it like right. like the Dixie Chicks. Instead of su- shut up and sing, it's shut up and <laughs> just carve. And it's like, but I right. can't. Like, I, I really can't anymore. Well, that's so <clears throat> funny that you say the Dixie Chicks too, right? Because like the moment they said anything, they were shunned mm-hmm. from, uh, know. you know, country music. Yeah, I mean, and- we're just, we're, we're just stuck in this society where we feel like, I think we're just all stuck where it, we have the scarcity mentality, yeah. right? Yep. I don't want to lose a friend. I don't want to lose money. I don't want to lose my job, you know? Yep. And I think that for a good time period that became true, right? Yeah. But I think that like we forget all we gain through, you know, speaking up. And and then relatively like when, when I've said in a large group setting, the the thing about like asking a brand you know do you have a person of color on the campaign you know do you have other lgbtqia plus people on the campaign and if you don't i'm not going to work with you i got the follow-up question of like okay so how many have you had to turn down Mm -hmm. and the honest answer is none like it really hasn't hit my wallet but the fact, I think because the fact that I'm telling them like, no, I'm willing to just not do this. Mm-hmm. If you don't do this, if right. you don't move yourselves forward, like, I think if we all start doing that, like we'll, we'll surprise ourselves. Like, of course, there's going to be the occasional like uncomfortable interaction. There just is. But yeah, the good's going to outweigh that by mm-hmm. so much. Yeah, you got to you got to start with a plan too. like you have to come in somewhat prepared. Right. Yeah. And I think that um, it's better to go in letting the brands know that you're taking note and doing the research than to Mm -hmm. have already pocketed the money and realize you've made a mistake. Yes. You know, and that's also to be said, though, like I do want to be like mm, I do want to extend grace. Like, that's not to say, like, I'm sure there has been times I've taken money and I messed up. Like, I'm right. I'm positive, right? Because I'm human. Um, I'm not, none are coming to the top of my mind, but I'm sure I have. I'm sure somebody will throw it in my face one day, um, yeah. you know, but I think we do need to extend grace because it is all like, we're all learning, all of mm-hmm. us. And so it's like, you're going to mess it up don't expect yourself to do it perfectly. Like if you wait to be perfect, right. <laughs> it's going to be too late. Like you just have to like, you know, mess up with as much grace and humility as possible. <laughs> yeah. Keep all your fingers too. <laughs> yes. That too. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I absolutely hear you on that. Yeah. Um, I think we both crushed a few soap boxes today. So we're, we're good. Yeah. We're we'll have to work on building something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll like try to like design like some kind of SketchUp plan so more people can build their soapboxes. There you go. <laughs> yeah, like a soapbox empowerment movement there you in go. the woodworking community. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I can see hashtag soapbox coming. Yeah. You know. But I mean, just to round it out too, it's like understanding when you can get like when when they get the fuck off that soapbox too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like you know you're learning your way through when to step up and step down and. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure we all are. It's, it's the whole point of it. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. Um, we are actually at 
like the end of our time, eh? Like we <laughs> we went through that way fast. Um, yeah, this was a blast. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you do repeats, but I'm happy to just yell into the void some more anytime. <laughs> oh yeah, I I've I kind of started actually there. I have a couple episodes that will be coming up from guests that I've had like a couple years ago to have them. Back oh, that's on. awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'll I'll keep you in mind for another. Yes, for sure. they say. <laughs> Right, um, I'll have my soapbox designed by then. Awesome. Yeah. Like, I really feel like you need to put some plans for a soapbox out there. Like, I really feel like that's something you should do. Okay. Okay. I'll do it. it I need like a passion project. So it sounds like it will work for me. Um, but I want you to have a chance to, to let people know how to find you, follow you, support you um, on all the interwebs. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram at slightly acute. Uh, spelled exactly how those two words are spelled. Um, all my info is on there. If you're in the Columbia, South Carolina area, that would be shocking and so cool. You can hit <laughs> me up and I can do handy services for you. Also like larger custom woodworking pieces, smaller stuff I could do nationally. Um, I guess if you're interested, I don't post enough, but I could maybe start doing more. My uh, photo Instagram is Honest Photo. So that's H-A-N as in Nancy, U-S as in Sue, and then photo, P-H-O-T-O on Instagram. Um, I'm going to have to see if I'm following you on that. I don't. I really don't post enough, and I really should post more. Um, don't message me on there. I had somebody message me like seven months ago, and I never saw it. So if you need to contact me, slightly cute way to do it. Yeah. And yeah, just like, I mean, just for all the makers you follow, just like engage, engage, engage. Um, I know it's hard to keep up with. And there's like a lot, a lot of things to look at and feel and follow. But, um, you know, if, if you like the makers, I guess just follow with intention. Yeah. You know, I'd rather have 300 followers that genuinely want to look at my stuff than mm-hmm. 300,000 and nobody cares. Exactly. So follow exactly. with intention. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thanks so much, A. I had so yeah. much fun. Thank you. Yeah, it was a blast. Yeah. All right. So again, that was A. Hannes of Slightly Acute, and I'll include the links on how you can follow along with them in the show notes for today's episode. You can find those in the description for the episode on your podcast app or head over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast. Make sure to follow along with the podcast on Instagram at crafting a revolution, all one word, no spaces, underscores, dashes, any of that at crafting a revolution, just like it sounds. You can also say hello to your hosts, myself, Katie Freeman. Find me at Freeman Furnishings on Instagram and all the other social medias, as well as my co-host, Katie Thompson. You can find her at Women of Woodworking. We would love for you to say hello. Um, And please, please, please don't forget to vote for the podcast over at www.podcastawards.com. Uh, vote under the categories of people's choice and art for crafting a revolution. All right, next week we'll be back with two brand new episodes. In the meantime, let's go craft a revolution. Oh, and make sure to turn the volume up and give a big listen to Ashley Minnie, uh, who 
wrote and produced and sang our theme song for Crafting a Revolution. Thank you so much, Ashley. Love you. Solution for the toxic masculinities. Pollution is the constant evolution. Of-